Welcome to Advancing the Agenda. I'm your host, Michael Abramson. Today's topic is attacks or incidents against companies or individuals who support Republicans. And sadly, these incidents have been increasing. I will be discussing some of these occurrences and offering a template for how Republicans should respond. Let's start with the most recent event, which was about two weeks ago on Wednesday, January 25th. DirecTV cut off Newsmax's signal from DirecTV, DirecTV Stream, and UVerse. Newsmax is a 24-hour news and opinion channel which leans to Republican and conservative views. Since this incident is the most recent event against Republicans, I'll be spending more time on it. DirecTV and Newsmax had been negotiating a renewal of Newsmax's contract, and the negotiations centered on what's called carriage fees. And these are the fees paid by the cable provider, in this instance DirecTV, to the content provider, which is Newsmax. In the previous version of the contract, DirecTV was not paying any carriage fees to Newsmax. In the contract renewal, Newsmax wanted to be paid carriage fees. Newsmax argued that DirecTV was paying carriage fees to those stations which had less viewers than Newsmax. Newsmax argued that some of these stations were liberal-leaning news outlets. Another factor which affected Newsmax's thinking was that in January 2022, DirecTV chose not to renew its contract with One America News Network, or OANN, which is another 24-hour news and opinion station which leans Republican and conservative. DirecTV held firm in its decision to not pay carriage fees to Newsmax. Newsmax did not want to sign this contract, and on January 25th, DirecTV cut off Newsmax signal. In the episode details of the podcast, I provided an article from Newsmax explaining Newsmax's perspective, and I've also included a letter from DirecTV, which explains DirecTV's perspective. As a preliminary matter, I want to point out that DirecTV is a company, and it can decide, free from government interference, the stations that it wishes to carry. And the rationale for DirecTV's decision really doesn't matter. DirecTV can make an economic one, stating that they're not making enough money from Newsmax. And DirecTV could even decide that they don't want to carry a Republican-leaning station like Newsmax. It's their company. They can decide what they want to do. By the same token, subscribers to DirecTV can decide what they want to do. They can cancel their subscription, or they can keep it. Taking a step back, though, it is clear that the absence of Newsmax from DirecTV, DirecTV Stream, and Uverse decreases the amount of people who can view Newsmax and have access to Newsmax's Republican-leaning opinions and news coverage. DirecTV's actions, therefore, while constitutional, are certainly a silencing of Republican views. If the government had anything to do with DirecTV's decision, however, then there would certainly be a First Amendment and free speech issue. If we look to the past, there are two possible red flags concerning the government's influence in Newsmax's decision. 
The first red flag occurred in February 2021 when two Democrat members of Congress wrote to cable companies and essentially asked them to remove Newsmax, OANN, and Fox News Channel from their platforms. Obviously, if a cable company removed a network from its lineup due to a government request, it would be a violation of the First Amendment. Since Newsmax, OANN, and Fox News Channel are conservative, the request from Democrat members of Congress makes the request that much more troubling. The other red flag regarding government interference in free speech has come in the Twitter files. These revelations have shown that government agencies went to Twitter, a communications company, and asked Twitter to restrict speech. The fear with the deplatforming of Newsmax is that government agents or officials may have told DirecTV to deplatform Newsmax. There is no evidence, though, that this occurred. Because of the 2021 letter to Newsmax, as well as the Twitter files, Republicans feel that it is prudent to conduct an investigation to see if the government was involved in the deplatforming of Newsmax. And that's why we'll be seeing hearings on the DirecTV and Newsmax matter. In these hearings, though, it is important that Republican congresspersons do not overstep their authority. These congresspersons have to remember that DirecTV, along with its majority owner AT&T and minority owner TPG, which is a private equity group, have a wide latitude regarding permissible reasons to end the contract with Newsmax. Just because Republican congresspersons don't like how the contract between DirecTV and Newsmax ended does not mean that DirecTV has to carry Newsmax. Let's move on to other incidents against companies or individuals who supported Republicans. In November 2016, the company Kellogg's ceased advertising on Breitbart.com. Breitbart responded by calling for a boycott of Kellogg's. The next issue, which I want to discuss, occurred in the 2020 presidential election and its aftermath. Companies either cut ties with or refused to hire law firms and lawyers that represented either President Trump or Republicans. The next incident occurred in January 2021. The companies Marriott International, Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, Dow Chemical, Hallmark, and Verizon Communications paused political donations to those politicians who voted against certifying the 2020 presidential election. The pause in donations did not have anything to do with the Capitol riots. These same companies, though, did not pause political donations to Democrat elected officials when these officials challenged the certification of the presidential elections in 2001, 2005, and 2017 via the same procedures which Republicans used in 2021. The only difference in the challenges to the certification of these presidential elections is that a Republican won the presidential election in 2000, 2004, and 2016, while in 2020, a Democrat won the election. When the companies paused political donations in 2021, but not 2001, 2005, and 2017, 
the company seemed to be saying that it was permissible to challenge the certification of a presidential election when a Republican wins the presidency, but it is not okay to challenge the certification of a presidential election when a Democrat wins the presidency. In the episode details of the podcast, I've linked to a great video of Democrats challenging the presidential elections in 2001, 2005, and 2017. Many of these Democrats were the same ones who were criticizing Republicans for challenging the certification of the presidential election in 2021. The last incident against Republicans, which I want to discuss, occurred in April 2021, when Major League Baseball moved its All-Star Game and draft from Atlanta, Georgia, after Georgia's House and Senate, both Republican, and Georgia's governor, also a Republican, passed and signed Georgia's voting rights law in 2021. 200 companies, including Microsoft, Uber, and United Airlines, signed a letter condemning election integrity laws, such as Georgia's new voting rights law. They argued that these new laws would make voting more difficult, especially for minorities. Coca-Cola and Delta Airlines, both headquartered in Atlanta, also issued statements attacking the law. I want to spend some time on Georgia's new voting rights law, as well as Georgia's voting rights law passed in 2005, which required individuals voting in person to present photo identification. Georgia's voting rights laws have been characterized as designed to disenfranchise African Americans. Even President Biden stated that Georgia's 2021 voting rights law was Jim Crow 2.0. I want to offer two points of rebuttal. First, in the 2022 midterms in Georgia, the first elections held after the passage of the 2021 voting rights law, the voter turnout in Georgia was higher than any previous midterm election in the state's history. Second, regarding elections in Georgia from 1996 to 2020, election data from the Georgia Secretary of State's office indicates that the percentage change in the number of African Americans both registered to vote and actually voting increased in Georgia every year from 2000 to 2020. Slight declines in voting occurred in 2012 and 2016, but this is likely to be expected because Barack Obama ran in 2008 and his candidacy likely led to increases in registration and voting by African Americans. I discussed these points in an article which I wrote for Newsmax.com, and I've linked to that article in the episode details of the podcast. The data about Georgia's elections is important for two reasons. First, starting in 2003 and continuing to the present, Georgia governors have been Republicans. Prior to that, starting in 1872, every Georgia governor had been a Democrat. Second, in 2005, Georgia passed a law stating that for those individuals voting in person, they must show photo identification in order to vote. Those opposed to this law stated that the law was designed to disenfranchise African Americans. This criticism continues to this day. According to the attacks against those Georgia Republicans who passed the voting rights laws in 2005 and 2021, 
with the argument being that the laws were passed to disenfranchise African-Americans, one would have assumed that African-American voter participation would have decreased while Georgia had Republican governors. As the data demonstrates, however, just the opposite happened. Republicans need to point out the facts and clear their name. Otherwise, the myth about voter suppression in Georgia will continue. Getting back to the original topic of the podcast, I think Republicans should be very concerned about the rise of incidents against companies or individuals who support Republicans. It is clear that some companies and individuals who do not like Republicans are trying to crush Republicans by making it economically difficult to espouse Republican policies as well as support and defend Republicans. And if this practice continues, I think that the number of Republicans will decrease, or at least the number of Republicans who are vocal about their political views will decrease. And it is for that reason that I think Republicans must push back. It's of course important that Republican elected officials speak out, especially the Republican heads of the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. But I think the most important group to speak out is the Republican National Committee, and its chair must be especially vocal. The Republican National Committee, or RNC, is the committee that represents all Republicans in the United States. As such, if an issue affects the nation's Republicans, the chair of the Republican National Committee must speak out. The RNC should make public statements repeatedly condemning those who perpetrate incidents against companies or individuals who support Republicans. The RNC must also conduct a multifaceted public relations campaign against the offender. This means Facebook ads, Twitter posts, advertisements in newspapers, magazines, and on television, and appearances on news programs. The RNC should coordinate this campaign with Republican, local, state, and federal officials so that they can also make television appearances and utilize their email and social media platforms. And finally, if the situation warrants, the RNC should call for a boycott of the offender. I'm concerned that if the RNC does not act, then the incidents against companies or individuals who support Republicans may increase. Hopefully, though, the RNC will act, and their measures will prevent further attacks. I look forward to speaking with you next time on Advancing the Agenda.